This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is The Morning Shift. Between 2011 and 2018, Chicago police made an arrest in about 35 percent of murder cases. During that same stretch, Cook County prosecutors declined to foul charges in about one in five cases, citing lack of evidence to prove the case in court. WBEZ reporter Patrick Smith has been following the numbers and the trends for years and says when it comes to solving murders, CPD has a poor overall record. The numbers sort of fluctuate from year to year, but they're, you know, sometimes as low as about 20 percent of the murders within a given year that are actually solved. You know, the police department says that that's not the accurate way to calculate it. They have a different way that that fits with sort of the FBI standards. By that standard, they solve about a third of the homicides, which is really low compared to the rest of the country. Uh, The Washington Post did a story last year where I believe Chicago had the lowest murder clearance rate compared to any other big city in the country. And when we talk about that term, murder clearance rate, what falls under that umbrella? So a clearance is uh, when the police consider a case solved. So that can mean that they made an arrest and the person went to trial and was convicted. It can mean that they made an arrest and prosecutors declined to bring charges. Or there's something called exceptional clearances when Police believe that they have identified the person, uh, but they are, for one reason or, nev- or another, never going to be able to arrest the um, the perpetrator, either because that person is dead or because there's no cooperation. And so they say, we've solved this murder. Even though there's no arrest, we've, we consider this a clearance. Why are Cook County prosecutors declining to file charges on so many cases brought to them by CPD? They bring charges on any case where they believe that detectives have identified the right person or persons and that there's enough evidence to prove the case in court. So prosecutors say each case is different, but if they're rejecting it, it's because they don't believe it meets the beyond a reasonable doubt standard that police, you know, they need probable cause to arrest somebody. They can say, we believe this is the person who did it and we have evidence to back us up. Prosecutors say that's not always the amount of evidence that they need to prove that case in court and that they have a responsibility to only charge people with murder if they believe that they can prove that case. You can't just charge anyone. You know, I I spent a lot of time talking to officials at the Cook County State's Attorney's Office about this. Risa Lanier is uh, the head of the Criminal Prosecutions Bureau. She sort of explained their decision-making like this. There are two requirements. First, we have to believe that we have the right person. Secondly, there has to be enough evidence. We are bringing charges on cases that we believe we can meet our burden on in court. If those two requirements are not met, then we will have to reject the case ethically. 
when we're talking about this question of evidence. Um, in, in cases where they think they've identified a, a suspect, CPD says, we think it's this person. What kind of evidence are they are they coming up short on? Speaking to prosecutors, a lot of times the evidence is witnesses. It, it's whether or not witnesses will cooperate. More and more, there are cases where there's video evidence, where, where there are DNA evidence that can prove a case without witness cooperation. But that is what prosecutors said is that that can be a huge barrier because if witnesses won't cooperate and you don't have other physical evidence or you don't have a lot of physical evidence, then you may not – they may believe that they can't prove the case without witness cooperation. And the flip side of that is, you know, I talked to uh, Darren O'Brien who is a former Cook County prosecutor and he actually ran the felony review unit, which is the unit that decides whether or not cases are brought. He's not with the prosecutor's office anymore. And he said, you know, you could have a party where someone is killed. Three people say, yeah, it was Patrick Smith who did it. But if there's 30 other people there who are going to say it wasn't him, you know, I'm not cooperating, but I know it wasn't him. That means you can't bring that case because that's reasonable doubt right there. If there are 30 people who would testify that it wasn't the suspect. And then if you have cases where people just won't cooperate, then then prosecutors say they may not, may not have other evidence to bring to court. Now, you spoke to a woman named Chantal Malumba, whose son was killed in 2017. Chicago police solved his murder, but the alleged killer walked free. Tell us about that. Yeah, her son, uh, Darlos Colomoni, was 18. He was killed in Rogers Park, less than a block from the apartment where he lived with his mom and sister and grandma. It's a complex case. It's it's a messy case, as as homicides often are. According to Chantal Malumba, detectives told her that her son had a gun and that he was in a park and he shot at someone and missed and that then someone else chased after him and about five blocks away, right near his house, shot him in the head and killed him. And what she says is, if my son did that, if he shot at someone else and missed, he should have been arrested, he should have been punished, but he should not have been executed. Now, the man who killed him claimed self-defense. This is what we've heard from a police source. The prosecutor's office just says that there wasn't enough evidence. They didn't think they could prove not, – not enough evidence, but they didn't think they could prove the case in court. So that's a tricky one where what she says is, how can it be self-defense when he chased after my son? And, and she wants justice for her son. She also made the point, which I think is pretty compelling, that somebody like that who's willing to – whatever her son did, somebody who's willing to chase after a teenager and kill them – they're dangerous, and it's a danger to have them out on the street. And she said, you know, that's why – I talked to her again yesterday, and she said, this is why they keep killing people is because they leave people out on the street who are willing to commit these acts of violence. Patrick, dig a little bit more into how prosecutors determine which cases to pursue. They would say that they pursue any case that's brought to them that they believe they can prove. It's not as if – you know, this isn't something where they said we have limited resources and we can only go after a certain number of cases or – hey, we pick the, the, the best ones. What they say is if the police bring us a case and we believe they've identified the right person and we have enough evidence to prove the case in court, we will bring charges. Now, Chicago police have made an arrest in about 25 percent of murders that happened in 2017. What do we know about why that rate is so low? Well, I said I spent a lot of time with the Cook County State's Attorney's uh, officials and they, they gave me a lot of time and sort of talked through my findings. The Chicago Police Department would not do an interview for this. They refused multiple requests for an interview. I sent them a list of questions. They responded with, with a one-sentence statement. In the past, what they've said is that they have a difficulty solving cases because of witness cooperation, that they have cases that if the offender is no longer on the scene, if it's a shooting out in a public street, there's not a lot of physical evidence, and they need cooperation from witnesses, that they just can't solve cases without that cooperation. 
as I said, the Washington Post investigation found that our clearance rate is, is lower than most big cities. I think other big cities struggle with witness cooperation. This, the culture that police talk about, about not cooperating, I don't believe that is unique to Chicago. I'm not sure what the other hurdles are for them solving more cases than they solve. Uh, Chip Mitchell, our colleague, has, has done reporting on some things, like maybe it's a lack of detectives. The department has hired more detectives in recent years. What we do know is that, yeah, it's about, you know, it can range anywhere from 20% to 35% of cases that they, that they actually solve. So police want prosecutors to charge more cases. Prosecutors say they don't have enough evidence to pursue charges on everything that's brought to them. What kind of conversations are, are being had about how to address this? What police and prosecutors say is that they have a good working relationship, that, that this is a process where each side knows its role, that police are supposed to try to identify the suspect and make an arrest when they believe they have the right person. And prosecutors are supposed to make sure that that this is the right person and that there's they have evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, I talked to Dick Devine, who used to be the Cook County State's attorney, and he said that there is some inherent tension when police and prosecutors are in the room because detectives, they want to... They want to hand the case off and prosecutors are like, well, I want a better case, the best case I can possibly have. As far as what conversations, I'm not sure. This is not a new issue. This is something, as I said, Dick Devine, he was in charge for a dozen years uh, up till 2008. He said that ratio that we found about one in five cases where prosecutors either reject it or send it back for more investigation. He said that sounded about what it was when he was there. I think what prosecutors would say is the issue is not them deciding not to bring cases. It's it's that not enough cases are brought to them in the first place. How is Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox responding to your reporting? Her deputies, they sort of disputed that one in five number. So we found that uh, about 20 percent of the cases that police bring, Chicago police bring to Cook County State's Attorneys, they either reject the case outright or they deem it something called continuing investigation, which is where they say, hey, you don't quite have the goods here. We're not rejecting it, but but we're not going to charge this now. Uh, they say one. If you shouldn't include that because those cases may get charged someday. However, I will say that most of these cases are years old. No charges have been brought yet. There's not any indication that many of those continuing investigation cases turn into charges. Um, so they dispute the one in five number and they say, hey, we bring charges whenever we think we can prove a case. And they point out that when they do bring charges, they get a conviction most of the time. The numbers that I looked at it's a conviction rate of about 85%. So when they bring the charges, they get a victory. A cynic might say, oh, maybe that's a sign that they're not charging enough. But they would say, hey, we're supposed to bring charges on cases we can prove. And when we bring charges, we prove those cases and we get convictions. Well, this is one of a series of reports coming out of the criminal justice desk focused on CPD's clearance rate. What's next in in the series? So we've got uh, Shannon Heffernan on the criminal justice desk is working on uh, this issue of witnesses, you know, the problem of witnesses not cooperating, looking at what does the city and county do to support witnesses and protect them to, to help more people come forward and if they should be doing something different or something more? Um, and then WBEZ's Chip Mitchell is looking at how race factors, whether race factors into CPD's murder clearances. That's WBEZ criminal justice reporter Patrick Smith. You can read his latest investigation where he found that Cook County prosecutors declined to file charges in about one in every five murder cases brought to them by CPD between 2011 and 2018 at WBEZ.org. Patrick, thanks. Thanks, Jen.
If you're like me, you might still be thinking about what you did over the long Labor Day weekend. If that's the case, we've got some solutions to ease your vacation withdrawal. Joining me now in studio with recommendations on what to see, hear, and eat around Chicago this weekend is Taylor Justin, founder of The Alt Seeker. Taylor, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So we want to get into your recommendations, but first tell us how you started the Alt Seeker and what it is exactly. Yeah, so the Alt Seeker, if you're French speaking or the Hot Seeker, as <laughs> I like to call it, um, I started this blog a couple years ago. I moved to Chicago, really didn't know what was going on. I don't have any uh immediate family here, didn't know too many people. Um, But I knew what I liked. And I wanted to make sure that I found what I liked and I loved um, between arts, culture, fashion, community and food uh, in and around Chicago. And so what I did is I explored, I wrote it all down, would share with other people. And that sharing got to a point where so many people were like, let me know what you're doing this weekend. I'm curious about this, where to go for that. And so I was like, I should just create a blog so that this could reach more people and that more people have the opportunity to really go out and seek Chicago the way that I've been able to seek it. So what do you look for? I mean, when you're making your weekend plans, what's the, the experience you're trying to curate? Yeah, so I, I like to look for a lot of diverse events um, and kind of all around the city. I mean, there's 77 different neighborhoods that have so much to offer. Um, And for me, if I can find vintage shopping, for instance, between Andersonville or the south side of Chicago or Edgewater or way on the west side, I want to go out and explore those things. So I try to look for diversity for the passions that I have and the things that I like and um, what my audience would be into and kind of show that love across the city. Well, let's get into your recommendations, starting with things to see. You recommend the Renegade Craft Fair. Tell us about it. Yes. So the Renegade Craft Fair is one of my favorite events. They have several uh, marketplaces that happen throughout the year. This one is going to be this weekend on Saturday and Sunday, and they're taking over Wicker Park between Division Street and Damon and Ashland Avenue. Um, This is one of my favorite markets simply because you can find so many unique gifts, trinkets, and they have over 400 different vendors that come out and from around the country, essentially, just to share all of these really cool um, items that you won't find at your average retail store. If you're like me and you want to freshen up your fall wardrobe, this is a good place to find some of those unique things. So that's the Renegade Craft Fair uh, this weekend, the 7th and 8th at Division Street and Wicker Park. Yes. Now, you also have a parade recommendation for us. It might be one of the last of the season. I think so. So the um, 50th Annual Mexican Independence Parade in Little Village uh, will take over that neighborhood this Saturday. And... This parade is is huge for the culture, especially for uh, the Mexican culture, where it's going to showcase the roots and just the diversity of that Hispanic community. Um, What's really exciting about this parade is you get to see all these incredible floats that are handmade, that are very unique to that environment. And so why not in the summer with this big 50th annual celebration? And it gives you a way to spend some time out of doors when there's yes. still decent weather Yes, got to embrace all of that. <laughs> so it be, the starts at 10 a.m. Oh, no, the meetup time is at 10 a.m. Start time is at noon. And the parade lineup is at South California Boulevard and West 26th Street. Yes, grab now, a good spot. Yes. Now, your last uh, recommendation for things to see is uh, a gallery studio. Oh, the show that's opening this weekend is called Unlikely Pairings at Gallery Studio in Lincoln Square. 
a couple of my favorite artists are going to be showcasing at that event. Um, it's going to feature over 20 artists who are exploring unusual and interesting ways of subject matter in their media. So it's a good way to kind of kick off this very full art season that's happening. Um, the show will continue on through our expo and ends on September 27th. So the opening reception is going to be this Friday where guests can meet and greet with these fantastic artists. All right. And that, that's in Ravenswood at 4839 North Damon Avenue. Don't worry. We're going to tweet out all of these recommendations. Just follow us at WBEC Morning. Okay. Let's turn to things you say we should go here. And, and your first is sort of a mix of of hear and see the celebration of Black composers and dance. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it's a wonderful collaboration that Decompose, which is a local music chamber that highlights musicians and composers within the African diaspora, as well as the multicultural organization known as South Chicago Dance Theater. They're collaborating for a Black Composers in Dance event. And what's so awesome about this is that it's taking music and dance out of the traditional um, concert space and taking it outdoors. So they're going to be in the back of the yards neighborhood and bringing both of these things to life for that community, which I think is pretty awesome. So you get a a wide celebration of um, black composers and captivating views of modern dance um, in an outdoor environment. So again, taking it all in. And the best part about it is free. Uh, Free is always good. (laughs) So that's at Sherman Park. That's at 1301 West 52nd Street. Now there are lots of Concerts, lots of recording artists who are going to be in town this weekend. Who are you looking at? Yes. Yeah, so this weekend, um, it's kind of kicking off the, the NFL season. There's going to be a free concert in Grant Park featuring Meek Mill, Rhapsody, and Megan Trainer. Um, all in the celebration of this new initiative that's happening between Jay-Z and the NFL, uh, known as Inspire Change Initiative. Um, again, another awesome free event that's taking place in Grant Park. Uh, in addition to the concert, this organization that is all about focusing on education and economic advancement will be hosting two local community organizations. So it's all about music and community in Grant Park uh, this Thursday. Okay, now let's turn to my favorite part of the conversation, the eat part. (laughs) So you have a place that that it sounds like it'd be kind of cool to just you know, have a drink and chill out for a while, the Lazy Bird? Yes, very low-key vibe. So this is a um, recent bar that has opened, or upscale cocktail lounge, rather, that's opened at the bottom of um, the Hoxton Hotel in the Fulton Market West Loop area. Very cute. If you're just trying to have a nice vibe over the weekend with a ton of different cocktail options, that's the place to go is the Lazy Bird. Okay, you also have a recommendation that sounds like it has a little bit of something for everyone. Yes. Um, the Jerk Seafood and Vegan Fest. Definitely. So this festival is going to take place on the south side. Um, if you are a fan of jerk, yes. <laughs> seafood, yes. vegan, or vegetarian, yes. all things. <laughs> it will have it all. So this is definitely a great festival to get that last foodie kick for the season. Okay, and maybe something if you want, you have another recommendation if maybe you just want to stay in, maybe order in? Order in or pick it up. This is one of my favorites that's on Taylor uh, Taylor Street in Little Italy um, is Yummy Thai. It's like my go-to takeout Thai spot. Um, you can never go wrong with the Pad Woon Sea or the Crab Rangoon there. All right, so Lazy Bird is at 200 North Green Street. The Jerk Seafood and Vegan Festival is this weekend in the Chicago South Loop and Yummy 
high is at 1418 West Taylor Street that's near University Village and Little Italy. And we've been talking to Taylor Justin, founder of The Oat Seeker, an (laughs) online platform dedicated to fashion, culture, community, and fun things to do in Chicago. And that'll do it for today's morning shift. Tomorrow, the Bears kick off their 100th season. In honor of the anniversary, WBEZ's Cheryl Ray Stout sat down with Bears chairman and grandson of the team's founder, George McCaskey. They'll talk about days gone by and what it was like being the grandson of Papa Bear George Hallis and his excitement about this year's team. That's tomorrow right here on The Morning Shift. Until then, I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and let's talk again soon. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.